You can be seated. <laughs> Man, good morning. Uh, it's been a good week, actually. So if you're, if you're first time here, we had our biggest, we think, our biggest outreach of the year on uh, Thursday, Scare on the Square. Wadsworth puts this big thing on. They come down to do the Michael Jackson thriller thing. We just open our doors, and we give kids candy, and like thousands of people came to our building. It was really cool. Um, yeah, we didn't, somebody asked me, like, did we count? I'm like, no. What, what we do know, uh, Shannon Sassville, our, our coffee team leader, said that we gave away, Shannon is awesome, um, 800 and what, 75, I think you said? 875 cups of like either coffee or hot chocolate or something like that. So we knew we had almost 1,000 coffee, coffee caffeine drinkers uh, and that we, we know uh, that there was times two, times three, that in the building. So thousands of people came through here, and we got to invite them to church and prove to them that most Christians aren't weird. So good job for those of you who proved them right. I'm sorry. Uh, They don't even get the joke. Okay, good. All right, well, today uh, we are starting a new series called Love Handles, The Hard Work of a Good Relationship. So it's a relationship series, but I do want you to know if you're single, this is supposed to apply to any of your relationships, not just a romantic one. Obviously, there'll be a little bit of that, but uh, the principles are supposed to be able to be applied anywhere. Uh, And if you're newer, if this is like your first time or if this is your first relationship series with us, just know um, that consistently, this isn't on purpose, this isn't something I plan, but I always say something accidentally inappropriate during a relationship series. It's been, I've been a pastor for 11 years. I've done it 11 years in a row and I apologize ahead of time. This is my public apology for whatever stupid thing I say um, because it'll probably happen. So, all right, here's my assumption about you to start this series. My assumption about you is that you want to have good relationships. You want to have good relationships in your life. You want to have a good relationship with your spouse. You want to have a good relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance. You want to have a good relationship with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers. You want those relationships to be good. Um, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Even if I don't know you, I think you want good relationships. What we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at the different aspects of a good relationship and the hard work that goes into uh, making those things uh, healthy. Uh, The aspect we're going to look at today, so each week we're going to focus on a certain thing. The aspect we're going to look at today, uh, part of a good relationship, it's super cliche. I I hate preaching things that you want to go duh to, but did you know that if you want to have a good relationship, one of the most important things you need to have is love? Did you know that? I just, I did some research and I found out that that was really important. Um, it is something you already know, right? Everybody, not, not one person sitting here was like, oh, I didn't know you needed to have love. There's the problem. Like, we just need to fix that. You already knew that. But I think that's the thing. That's the thing that's, that's interesting. You know that love is a vital part of good relationships, yet you have many relationships that aren't good. Why is that? If you know that love really is like the most important ingredient to a good relationship, it's not a mystery, it's not a secret, it's not something that that you were unaware of, but you're still not nailing it. I think that's, that's weird. Why is that? And by the way, I don't know if you know this, if you've ever tried to help somebody, the hardest people to help are the people who 
know, know the thing already, right? If they already know the problem, that, that they're the ones that you, you can't tell them anything new. And I, I worry now that here we sit, you, you know, I'm telling you that love is one of the most important aspects of a healthy relationship. And you're going, yeah, I know. And, 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 and if you're like me, you start to like check out already. Like, okay, I've heard the love sermon before, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm done now. Uh, so don't do that. I'm going to try and surprise you. Um, because see, I, the, my curse is that I grew up in church and I heard all of the sermons. So now I don't want to preach those anymore because those, if I preach a sermon that I'm bored in, you'll be bored too. So I try to entertain myself. So if, if, if hopefully that works for you, that I keep myself semi-entertained. Um, so before we jump into love, I want to make an observation. I want to read a verse that's not directly related, but there's a principle in this verse that we need to grab onto to understand maybe why some of your relationships are failing, okay? So it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Uh, it says this, we will not boast about the things done outside of our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. Now, uh, a guy named Paul wrote this to a church in the city of Corinth. He was actually arguing about some people with, uh, like about his influence in the church. It's a little bit of a church uh, fight happening. We're not interested in that. I just want to look at this line. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us. That's an interesting little phrase that he uses there. Within the boundaries of the work that God has given us. What, Paul, what that tells us about Paul, and again, I know this isn't like the main point of the verse, it's this little side window into one of the ways Paul thought he's saying that he wasn't called to like do everything, right? He was saying that he had like boundaries around what God had called him to, and outside of that, he wasn't going to be worried about that. He was focused on the thing that God called him to. He was not unlimited in his, in his influence and in his relationships, there was, a, there was a sphere, there was a, a territory of sorts. There was a boundary around what God called him to do. What Paul was saying is that Paul was a limited person. He couldn't do everything. And guess what? So are you. You are limited. And, and the focus today um, is that you have a, a limited relational capacity. Not everybody has the same one, but everybody in here has a, a, a relational capacity, a, a sphere, a, a, a boundary line is drawn around you that is of a certain size and you can't have more relationship stuff in you than whatever God gives you in that sphere. You're limited. You're not God. <laughs> you want to have good relationships and you're not God. So far in this sermon... It's brought to you by Captain Obvious, <laughs> pointing out very obvious things. Here's the rub, though. Some of you are already thinking it. Some of you church people, you're going, but the Bible says we're supposed to love everybody, pastor, right? The Bible says we're supposed to love everybody. And it does. You're right. We're supposed to love everybody. So here's my question. I mean, I don't know if you know this. We are getting very near on this planet to 8 billion people. Did you know that? We're real close. I'm about to cross that threshold. Are you supposed to love all of them exactly the same? Because I just want to point out, if you think that, you 
are doing a terrible job. <laughs> you know that, right? Like you're missing some, just a, just a few. Uh, Eight billion is a lot. Even if you have a really big relational capacity, you are, you're hitting, you know, you're missing like 7.9999 billion. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a lot that you're, you're missing. So, um, yeah, we're supposed to love everybody. But how does that work when there's too many people? So that's, you know, Paul said, you have a boundary around the work that God has given you. And the real confusion comes from the way we use the word love, the way we use the word love. So I've talked about this before, Mosaic. If, you, if you're like a longtime Mosaic person, you've heard Adam say this before. And that's what happens. I just turned 39, so old people start to repeat themselves. So you're just going to have to get used to this. I'm going to start saying the same things over and over again. And some of you are like, you already do. Shut up. Um, so the word love, we in our culture, use the word love for everything, right? We have one word and it, it's used in so many different ways, right? I love Cool Ranch Doritos and I love my wife. Like, I hope that you don't mean the same thing when you say that, right? Um, I love my kids and I love to watch football. I hope you mean something different even though you're using the same word. But we mix this together, right? I love my family and I love video games. I love my cat and I love hoodie weather, right? I, I love Jesus and I love pumpkin spice latte, whatever, this is somebody else's list, this is my list, it's somebody else's, but you know what I'm saying. You use this word for like everything. It's almost become a junk drawer for stuff we like. We use it into the ground. And, and what, what happens then is the word love gets drained of its real meaning. Now, I'm not suggesting you stop using it that way. I'm not going to be one of those guys, you need to stop saying love about things you don't really love. Like, okay, whatever, keep using it. But we need to acknowledge that it's created some confusion for us. Because what kind of love are we supposed to love the whole world with? Right? I mean, if Jesus said love everybody. Okay, what? Is that like... Dorito love, or <laughs> are, we, are we going to like dog and cat love? Like what, what kind of love do you, we mean when we say that? Now, this is the great part though. So if you, if you grew up in church, you already know this. So the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. In the Greek, they actually have multiple words for love. So if you grew up in church, you already know these, right? How many good youth group kids do we have here today that you know the three Greek words for love? I know we have a couple over here. I don't want you to answer. Um, anybody, sorry, Joey, it's okay. I know you know them. You have them memorized. The Nazarene church taught you well. Um, well, they did. I'm sure you know them. Greek words for love. What do you got? What? Agape. Yeah, all the youth group kids. Oh, yeah, you remember agape, right? What else? What else? What? Phileo, yep, city, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And then what's the, what's the third one usually? There's more than three. That's the secret. Nobody tells you. What's that? Did you say Eros? Good, because that's what it is. I don't know if that's what you said, but that's the right one. Um, yeah, so those three words are uh, different kinds of love, right? So uh, the Greeks acknowledge that you can't just use one word for all the different kinds of love. Now, here's the thing. Since I am cursed with growing up in church, I've heard that sermon before, so I don't want to preach that to you. I don't want to go, okay, this is what Phil is, this is what Eros is, this is what... I don't want to do that. I would bore myself. But uh, the Hebrew words for love... How crazy is it that, that both the original languages of the Bible have multiple words for love, but we jam all of them into one word? 
Isn't that weird? That the English-speaking world tries to jam all this meaning into one word and the word kind of loses its power. But everybody else is like, no, you need multiple words to describe these different things. So what I want to do is I want to look at the Hebrew. Not all of them. They actually have a lot of different words that they use for love. I want to look at four different Hebrew words for love. And my goal here is to help us, help you, like stratify out what you mean when you say you love someone, okay? Uh, There needs to be like layers to it. So the first Hebrew word that we're going to look at this morning uh, for love is this word raya, raya. Uh, And this kind of love is the kind of love that you would have for a friend, a companion, a neighbor. It's it's actually pretty low cost, pretty low commitment. It's just the enjoying of another person. It's a friend. Um, You you definitely treat them with dignity and respect and all that, but it's just kind of an enjoyment thing. There's a little bit of it that's kind of selfish as in, because there's no commitment, you don't have to put up with a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like if you enjoy them, cool. If you don't, we're good. Like we're out. Like, so it's, it's very low level, low cost relationships with people. Um, so that's like, I would say at the bottom of the pile, Raya love friendship. Um, now, already said, um, well, I want to give you two things about Raya, two things, and they're to opposite ends of the spectrum. So first, um, our youth pastor, Pastor Scott, uh, who's, he's either in Rise and Grind or the substation right now with, with youth who follow him around like he's the Pied Piper. Um, he's an amazing, so, so he is so highly relational. He just loves people like crazy. If you stand next to him, you love people more. That's how much like he just radiates this thing. So when he first came here uh, about three, four years ago, um, so he's on Facebook and everybody here started to try and like send him Facebook requests. I don't know if you remember trying to do this, but like you didn't get an answer right away. The reason you didn't get an answer right away is because Scott has the maximum number of Facebook friends. Isn't that crazy? Do you know what it is? It's 5,000, by the way. That's crazy. He has 5,000 Facebook friends, exactly, because that's as many as you can have. So when he came in here and you started friend requesting him, he couldn't say yes right away. What he had to do is he had to go and unfriend some people, which hurts him, you know, because he loves every, he remembers them all somehow. I don't know. I'm like, this person you randomly ran into 20 years ago, you're just friends with them now. Um, so he had to minus some in order to add some. Uh, and, and what I want you to know is that when it comes to your Raya level friendships in your life, you have a capacity and researchers say that you can have the average person, the normal person has around 150 to 200 like relational capacity when it comes to just people that you kind of know and are, you could consider them friends or acquaintances. 150 to 200. If you're super social or something like that, you can push it to three. Some people, probably like Scott, can push it to like 500 of people who like, you know them, you know like where they work, how many kids they have. Like you would consider them a friend. But most of us in this room, you're sitting at about 150, 200 people who you can have this like Raya level love with them. You have a sphere. You have a boundary, like I said. And I just want you, one, I, I guess for some of you, I just want you to stop feeling guilty about that. You have a relational capacity. You can't keep giving away you. You run out. So when it comes to Raya level, there is a, a, a boundary around that. And you only have so many people. If you want to add a new one, somebody else is going to fall off. Inevitably. Inevitably. 
There's only so much of you to go around. That's the first thing I want you to see. Now, that's to a certain kind of person. A certain kind of person needed to hear that. Somebody like Scott. So some of you are that. Some of you, as I was saying that, you're going 150? Holy crap, that's a lot, right? So here, I wanna, I wanna talk to you over here. If you're on the other side going, that sounds high, <laughs> like I'm not that. Um, so maybe, maybe for you, your desire is you'd like to have more friends, right? Like um, you're not on the other, you, you, you're like, I just, you know, I, I would like to have some people. I'd like to be just friends with some people. Um, even if you don't want to admit that. So here's a, here's a secret about friendship. And this is something I don't know that most people realize, especially at this level, this like Raya level love. Uh, friendships are more of a shoulder-to-shoulder thing than they are a face-to-face thing. Shoulder-to-shoulder. And what I mean by that is friendship at this level is usually like about something. It's about something. There's an object to the friendship that you stand shoulder-to-shoulder with someone and it's about that thing, right? And it doesn't, it, the thing ha- doesn't have to have any substance to it at all. It can just be a thing. You got some Friends who are just, they like the Browns, you like the Browns, you play fantasy football, they play fantasy, and that's your, they're your friends, but your friendship's about something, right? Some of you, it's, hey, we're friends because our kid plays on the same soccer team, and we're friends because of that. It's about something. So what I want you to see, if you're, if you're like, man, I just need some more like friends in my life, don't make friendship the goal. If you make friendship the goal, you're not going to get it because friendship needs to be about something. The best way to make friends is to actually be really passionate about something. If you are really passionate about something, other people who are passionate about that thing will be drawn to you. And that's actually the best way to make friends. So specifically putting that inside of a church, uh, you know, when you come into church, it's super weird because you're coming in. I mean, how weird is it to show up to a church first time? If you show up today for the first time, like, listen, I'm an introvert. I struggle going into new places and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm proud of you this morning. Even if you reject that, I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, because walking into a, a new place with new people, that's just weird. Um, and if you're, maybe if you've been coming for a while and trying to, like, break in, um, I'll tell you, the best way to break it, the best way to make friends in a church is to serve is to get on a team that's actually, because then it's, it's, you're not trying to like make friends, you're, you're doing something together. You get on a serving team and you say, hey, we're doing this thing together and, and, and something grows out of that. Uh, that's the best way. And, and small groups are also that, but uh, really I feel like the best way to make friends is for the friendship to be about something. Um, and again, it could be anything. And there's all kinds of people I, I joked in, in first service that we have a group of people here who play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and they, yeah. We're gonna clap about that. Okay. But like, if we're gonna clap about that, I feel like we gotta get our clapping priorities straight now. Okay, okay. I have to process this. But there are multiple different ways. Uh, Again, be passionate about something. I feel like the Raya friendships spring out of that. One of C.S. Lewis' uh, famous quotes about friendship is, a friendship is born when one person says, you too? I thought I was the only one. Like when you you have that moment of a shared interest, a shared something, uh, it's about something. So 
Raya friendship, friendship love. You have a limited capacity. That's the first thing you need to know. Don't feel guilty. You only have so much of you to go around. Secondly, if you want to make Raya friendships, don't make it about Raya friendships. Make it about something else, Raya. Second type of love that I want to look at today, second Hebrew word for love is this word, ahava. Ahava. It is the love of the will. Uh, and this one, so if, if, if Raya is wide and spread out, Ahava brings it in and it kind of sits on top. Uh, Ahava is, is a way deeper kind of love, is a love where you choose to love someone. It's not, um, it, there, there's a, a commitment level involved that Raya does not have. And, and the key to Ahava is that you start to really see the person. You know, with Raya, you can keep yourselves at arm's distance. You don't really have to always interact with the person's mess. You can keep the closet doors closed. You can, you can clean up the house every single time they come over and they think, oh my gosh, you always keep your house as clean. This is amazing. Like, no, this is literally the, for the 45 minutes you're here, this is as clean as it's going to get. And then the kids are going to come out of the closet and they're going to make a mess again. Um, but, but Ahava, they start to see the mess. Okay, you see the person, you see their scars, you see their flaws, you see their idiosyncrasies, you see the skeletons in the closet, you see their dark side, and Ahava says, I'm gonna choose to love you anyways. Ahava adds to the emotion commitment. I like you, oh, and I see all your flaws, and I'm not going anywhere. It's an I'm not going anywhere kind of love. I'm not pushing away from the table because of this thing about you. Now, obviously, if you're thinking about like the biggest, uh, best prime example of ahava love is marriage. Marriage is peak ahava, peak ahava. And ahava kind of love is actually built into the vows in a wedding ceremony. Do you realize that? For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Those are ahava type language. That's, that's commitment. That's a choice, Right? That's a choice. I just did a wedding less than 24 hours ago. I stood right here, two people stood right here, and they promised ahava love to each other right here. Now, marriage is the peak ahava, but the Bible does point to you being able to have ahava type uh, of love for other people as well. So you can have uh, a, a group of people with varying levels of ahava, varying levels of commitment. And, uh, but again, just like with Raya, I think you have a capacity. So if you have a Raya capacity of 150, 200, if you're awesome, 500, with ahava, it's super small compared to that. You realize to have a commitment level kind of a relationship with people, um, I would say, if it, let's use Jesus as an example. Jesus had thousands of people follow him, right? but he only had 12 who really were there, right? And then he even reduced, he had another number three where who, they were really close to him. So his, his commitment level love, that, that, that really close-knit group, it was 12. So my guess is that's around your number. You can only have around 12 people who are really close to you, have a commitment level to you, and you invest enough to, to, to consider it to be ahava. And if you want to reject that and say, I have a bigger capacity than... Jesus, maybe not. Like, I don't know. He was God, but whatever. Maybe you're better than him. I don't know. You have a capacity. You have a capacity. 12-ish people in your life that you have a deeper commitment to, that you see them, you see their flaws, you see their scars, and you choose to love them. You choose to be in relationship 
with them. That's the thing. Isn't it weird when you start to get to know someone? Like you first meet them, you have this perception of them, like you just see, I don't know, whatever they present to you. And then as you spend more time around them, you get to know them a little bit better, you start to see like, oh, you, you messed up, man. <laughs> You're not like perfect. You're not what I thought. Like there, and there, there comes a point where you have to make a decision. Am I going to put up with this newfound flaw or not? And uh, let me say this to married couples if you're married. Um, ahava is the love that you made, you made the vows with. That is, that is the basis of the vows that you made when you got married. Um, which is why I really like the conventional ones, by the way. Like I know some people write their own and I'm totally cool with that. I'm not making fun of you at all. But some of what people write, it's actually not vows. It's just they say nice things about each other and that's not really promises. I like the conventional vows because they make promises. You're saying, I am committing to doing these things. But what I want to point out about those marriage vows, like when you say that stuff to that person, you're promising to love a moving target. Do you know that? Like I know that when you stood up there, however many years ago it was, and you stared lovingly into each other's eyes and you said, for richer, for poorer, sickness, all that stuff, that you love the person standing in front of you, for sure. But the promise isn't just to love them then. The promise is to love them two, five, 10, 20 years. And guess what? They're gonna change. Did you know that? That the person that you stood in front of when you married them, like they're not gonna be the same person 10 years later. And that can be, some of that's good and some of it's not. They, they may grow some good habits, they may develop some bad ones. But you, you said that you were gonna love them. And that's why, like, man, when I get into marriage counseling, I don't do marriage counseling very often because I'm bad at it, and you'll see why here in a minute. Um, but, like, if somebody comes in and says, they say this line, like, they've changed. I want to be like, well, no, cr- I have a pastor. No crap, right? Like, I, of course they did. So did you. Like, we all, you're, you're going to change. You're going to grow. You're promising in that moment to love a moving target. You have to love them all the way through. You're saying, I see you. And even what I don't see, I'm committing to be committed to you, to love you, no matter what springs out as we go. That's a big commitment. That's why, by the way, when Jesus talked about marriage, when Jesus talked about marriage, the, the reaction of the disciples was, ooh, who should get married? Like, that's how they reacted to it. I'm not even kidding. Like, that's crazy. And Jesus is like, the only way you can do it is if God is with you. Like, legit. Marriage is an impossible task. You are called to love someone through all of their mess. You need Jesus. Which leads us to our next Hebrew word for love, uh, which is the word dode. Dode. It's the deepest form of love. Um, my favorite definition of the word dode is the mingling of souls. Isn't that cool? Another definition is just sex. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that just the difference between those two things, however you think about them, is part of the problem. Um, just sex. I don't think we can say it like that. Um, the Bible speaks to that part of a relationship uh, 
in a very different way than our society does. And our society has kind of tried to make it out to be just sex, just just not that big of a deal. It's just a physical thing. And um, the way the Bible talks about sex, it's so much more than just a physical act. It is a physical act and it is an enjoyable one. Top 10 human experience, right? Maybe you got in your top five, top one, my top one, but anyways. Um, <laughs> It's good, it's good, it's good, but um, see, I told, I don't know, this is the part where I gotta navigate this carefully. That's not controversial. Yeah, clap for that. If you're gonna clap for Dungeons and Dragons, you better clap for that. There. Get our priorities straight over here. I have a joke, I'm not gonna say it, never mind, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk over here. I, I just, just implying it made it happen. Okay, sorry. I'm just happy my mom's not here. She was here first service. It's better this way. So when I was growing up in church, they talked about sex so weird in church. First of all, most churches wouldn't talk about it at all. It was just kind of taboo. You had one, one sermon when you were in youth group, right? Uh, it was pretty much just like, don't. That was the whole message, right? <laughs> um, but you rarely heard about it. And then when I, as I got a little bit older, most of the time I would hear pastors kind of rail about how like our society has made sex too important. And I always thought that like, okay, because it's everywhere. But um, I actually disagree 100%. I think our society doesn't make sex important enough. They're not overvaluing sex, they're undervaluing sex, which has led to our current situation. The way God intended for this to work is that, that these, these loves build on each other and they, they, they culminate, they, they come together in, in this dode relationship. So it starts with Raya, it starts with a friendship. You get to know the person, you hang out, you do stuff together start to like each other. That's where it starts. And then you build up into the various levels of ahava. You have commitment. You get to know each other even more. You start to find out, oh my gosh, they have this habit and that's crazy. Oh wow, they get really irritated here. You find out more and more. You see them and you decide, I'm not going anywhere. And then peak ahava, when you decide, you commit to till death do us part, that's when the dode relationship comes in. So if you're hearing me correctly, you need to have a, an ahava relationship before you, you dote, okay? That's what the Bible says, all right? You follow? You follow me, okay, good. That's what it says. But the reason we reject that now is because we only see it as a part of what it really is. The mingling of souls is actually not a safe thing, that's a dangerous thing right? Like if it's just a physical thing, whatever. But if it's the mingling of soul, is that the way the Bible talks about that act? Then you want to be real careful where that goes. And, and what God is telling us is, hey, the way I designed this whole thing to work is you need all this to, to end here. And if you take dode and you put dode anywhere else, it's a dangerous thing for your soul. Like that's crazy. So again, I feel like our society is not overvalued it. It's undervalued it. Now, let me show you uh, where marriage was born, the invention of marriage. It was God's idea way back in the beginning. Listen to the language that's used uh, in Genesis chapter 2, second chapter of the Bible, uh, verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, that the two are united into one. 
Now the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. There's this, this, this connection between the two. There's a physical and an emotional and a spiritual connection that is made uh, that is so deep. Um, two becoming one. Two becoming one. Raya first, Ahava second, Dode third. And as you can see, the circle gets smaller and smaller as you go into deeper and deeper parts of the relationship. You start with Raya, you can have a couple hundred. You get to Ahava, you're talking about around 12. Dode, that's just one. Every level of connection gets smaller because of the investment required for that relationship. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you some questions. Let's just imagine that your relational capacity is like currency. So let's just say that you, and we, you, all, you don't have exactly the same, but you have a certain amount of relational currency. You have, um, let's just talk about it like it's money. You have a certain amount of money that you can spend. Um, you have a certain amount of currency you can spend on all the relationships that you have in your life. You have a certain amount. You, you, you can't. You can't use a credit card. You have, you have to only use what you have, okay? So you have a capacity. Now, talk about a Raya-type friendship. A Raya-type friendship, it costs a little, not much, but it does cost something, right? You can't, you can't spend nothing and have a Raya. You're gonna have to remember their name, right? That costs you something. You can't, really, can you have a relationship with somebody if you don't know their name, right? Probably not. So you at least need to remember some things about them. You, you need to have some level of contact with the person in order for them to count as a Raya-type friendship. So it costs you something. So you're spending on that. And then with your Ahava relationships, those ones cost more, right? You can't, that, that's because you have to work through things. You have to forgive. You have to, you have, to have a, a, a commitment there. So that costs more. Those are more expensive. And then the Dode relationship, that is the most expensive relationship that you have when it comes to your relational capacity. That's the one you're supposed to spend the most on. So here's my question. What if part of the problem with some of your relationships is that you're misappropriating funds? I'm accusing you of embezzlement here when it comes to your relational currency. What if some of the reason your relationships are strained is because you're spending your relational currency wrong? That you're, you're spending it flippantly. Because the highest spends need to be on the people closest to you. Your Dode relationship, your Ahava relationships, those need more than Uriah. So for some of you, what's happening is you're spending so many little dollar amounts on those Raya relationships. You have so many and you're spending it because you got the PTO and you got the kids soccer team and you got church people. They take up a lot of time. You got your Dungeons and Dragon group. You got, you got um, your, your, your family. You got your friends. You got all this and you're just trying to spend, 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 spend. And by the time you get done with all these low level not really that important relationships, you've got hardly anything left. And then you look at your Ahava people and you're like, here. And then you look at your Dode relationship and you're like, ooh, there you go, that's all I've got. It's because you spent it all already. You spent way too much on these shallow relationships. You just don't say no enough. You say yes to everything. And there's, again, God, God said you have a boundary, you have a limit, you can't, you are not an unlimited resource. So you've spent yourself on relationships that are, should not be that important. And your higher level relationships are suffering because of it. Or maybe it's not that. If you're having dode problems, 
Maybe it's because you're spending too much relational capacity on some of your lower level ahava relationships. For example, I mean, you need to spend the most relational currency on your spouse. You do. The most. They need the most of you. Not your kids, not your mom, not your boss, not your best friend, not your golfing buddies, your, your husband, your wife. They need the biggest investment. If they don't have the biggest investment, should you really be surprised that the relationship is hurting? If you're spending over here, you got a bunch of Raya going on. Oh yeah, and I've, I've spent over here. And, and then you give your spouse kind of what's left over. Do you, should you really be surprised that the relationship's strained? You're giving the best of yourself to other people and you're not giving it to them. And I just want to say specifically, I know, I know a lot of people who go here have kids because our kids ministry grows faster than the rest of the church. Every couple that comes in has three kids. So somehow, <laughs> kids ministry grows faster. Um, so if you have kids, this is the hardest thing. Right? Kids demand relational currency. Right? They, they, they demand it. But you, one of your jobs is to make sure that you're spending the most relational currency on your spouse and not on your kids. The best thing you can do is spend more relational currency on your spouse. That's the, that's the most loving thing you can actually do for your kids. Your kids shouldn't be first. So I don't know, what's that look like? For us, I, I joke with my wife, but like for as long as we've been married, if we like sit down to watch something, on the couch, I always sit next to one person, my wife. They can try to wiggle in, you know, but I just throw them because they're little. Because <laughs> I want to sit next to her. I have, she, I have, she can hit, they can sit here or here, but she's going to be next to me because she's the one. Uh, and I think they like that. They like that. Um, so I'm asking I'm not telling, I don't know, I don't know your situation. Are you misappropriating relational funds in your life? Are you spending too much on Raya? Raya's a black hole. You, 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 could, you could spend yourself on shallow relationships and have nothing left for depth. You could, is that it? Or are you spending too much on a few other people besides the one that you should be spending the most on? What's it look like? Do you need to reappropriate? Do you need to, do you need to make some tough calls and cut some people or reduce some things or say no to some things in order to spend you on the right person, the right people. Again, I'm asking. You, you need to work that out. You need to pray about that. You need to talk to your dode. Start calling her your dode. That's a little weird. Yeah, it's weird. I've decided it's weird. All right, there's one last Hebrew word we got to look at. Um, because once you do that, once you do the define the relationship thing, because you got to do that, right? You, you got to go through it with your rayas and you got to say, okay, these are my raya friendships. These are my ahava. This is my dote. And you got to define how much of you you're going to spend. So you need to have that DTR. You need to have that define the relationship kind of either it's a thought or it's a conversation. You need to do that. Once you do that, um, somebody's going to be sitting here going, okay, but what about, okay, pastor, you didn't answer that thing about loving the whole world, right? Um, because now if you're saying I have a limited number of raya, limited number of ahava and one dote, then what about the guy who cuts me off on the highway? <laughs> like what do I do with him? Cause he's not my raya. <laughs> he's not any of those things. So I don't have to love him. I can tell him he's number one and be done with it. Right. Um, so there is another Hebrew word that I want to 
talk to you about. It's the word hesed, hesed. Uh, and this is really, man, it's one of the more powerful words that's used. It could be translated loving kindness. It usually is. The definition of this word, uh, love this, is the persistent and unconditional tenderness, kindness, mercy, forgiveness, and compassion given. Uh, it's the most often word used for God, God's relationship with Israel as Israel is doing dumb thing after dumb thing after dumb thing. He talks about God's hesed towards them. Unconditional tenderness, kindness, mercy, and forgiveness. His relentless loving pursuit. That's the kind of love that you are called, commanded to, to express, to, to have for us, the, 7.98 billion people on this planet. You're supposed to have that kind of love. Anybody you interact with, hesed. And here's, here's your motivation. Your motivation, number one, is because that's how God loved you. God loved you unconditionally. God gave you love unconditionally. God loved you when you were at your worst. And that's the kind of love that Jesus died on the cross with. Hesed, unconditional favor, unconditional compassion and mercy. He died for you so you could have a relationship with God. That's your motivation. God loves you like that. You love others like that. How many? All of them. All of them. He, his love flows to you and it flows through you. The reason I say that you need to love everybody is because your capacity here is not dependent on you. Your, your source of this kind of love is God. You're plugged into the sun, okay? And, and that you have unlimited power to love people with this kind of love. And we're called to do that, Christian. Let me read it again. Think of the person that's most annoying in your life, persistent and unconditional tenderness, kindness, mercy, forgiveness, and compassion to everybody, everybody, because we were first shown it to us by him. Worship team, why don't you guys come back up here? I think this is one of the things that we get, many Christians get wrong, is that we've got it, We've got it all upside down. We, we spend the wrong amount of relational capacity on one thing, and then we don't love everybody like we should. We act like there's some people God left off the list or something. Uh, but we're not called to do that, Christian. So I don't, know what you, I don't know what thing you needed today. Maybe you need to rearrange some relational currency. Maybe you need to refocus some things. Maybe you just need to accept that God loves you unconditionally, and you need to allow that to flow through you. I don't know where you're at. Let's give it to him. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much uh, for your love. I pray for the person right now, Lord, who, who needs to say no to some things, Lord. I know there's somebody sitting here who that's really what you're speaking to them, Lord, that they're saying yes to too many things. They're, there's not enough of them to go around. I pray that you would help them say no to some things. I pray that you would help the person who's, whose marriage is suffering because they're spending themselves other places. I pray that they would have a conversation, Lord, and that you'd be with them in that conversation. That, yeah, they'd fight and then they'd figure it out. That you'd use the fight to draw them closer to each other and closer to you. And Lord, I pray for this church, Lord, that we would have that hesed kind of love for everybody, Lord. Unconditional kindness and tenderness and mercy towards others. And that we'd know you're the source of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.